Hello and welcome to the Football Collective Podcast, a football research podcast for debate, discussion, highlighting members of the collective, their research and all things football within the world of academia. I'm joined on this episode of the Football Collective Podcast by Dr Joel Rookwood from the University of Central Lancashire, otherwise known as UConn, to talk about his research, filmmaking and journey through academia. It's great to have you on, Joel. How are you? I'm good, Josh, mate. I'm good. I'm suffering a little bit from last night's uh, draw against Bayern Munich. but I think that's a good result for you, man. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens in the away leg. Like. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, we'll just we'll get on with the, um, the questions if you, if you want. Uh, so, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your, uh, your background in football and your education? So, I, I played for Gillingham's youth team for a couple of seasons before realising I had too many injuries and not enough talent. And then four days after I left school, I got a job coaching soccer in California. And that was the first of three three-month summer contracts. And at 18, I went to Liverpool John Moores University to study their new science and football degree in 1999. And that's a world-leading sports performance institute. So you're encouraged to pursue applied performance so I took opportunities in applied work across various contexts as a coach, a scout and in performance analysis support for Everton under-19s, England's first team, Liverpool's community departments and then Preston's first team and a little bit with England netball as well. And I stayed at John Moore's for my first master's degree which was in sport and exercise science and performance analysis. And then the day after finishing my undergrad degree, I went to the 2002 World Cup in Japan. And I went with my brother, who's a very gifted writer, Cambridge graduate and a football journalist at the time at The Guardian. And it was at a press event in Tokyo, one of the media gatherings between matches. And I was offered a paid role as a columnist with a new football website, Soccerfile. And I think it's, it's a truism that in many sports, but particularly football, across many contexts, who you know will get you a job, and what you know will and what you do will ensure whether or not you keep it. So yeah, I accept that connections and networks, as Paul would would frame it as, they helped me to get that job as a twenty-one-year-old. I mean, years before blogging had really taken off, and I worked for Soccerfile for ten years, eventually becoming a senior global football columnist covering tournaments in six continents, countries like Qatar and Ghana and Chile. And as well as doing associated work for magazines and broadsheets, I've covered 15 mega events, including the last five World Cups. I haven't watched football in 230 grounds around the world, including 120 in Britain. So I became interested in supporter cultures and the management of fans and events. And I did another master's in sport management at the University of Leicester and then went to the football industries group in the management school at the University of Liverpool to do a third Masters, which turned into a PhD around football subcultures, which I finished in 2007. And I did a postgrad teaching qualification and taught during that process, initially in international sport politics at what is now Leeds Beckett University. And then I went on to Liverpool Hope when I was 24 and ran their sport development degree from 2005. And I was at Hope for 10 years and also had an overlapping visiting fellowship in sport management at the University of Vic in Catalonia. And then in 2015, I moved to Southampton Solent, where I took on their football programmes, um, teaching on those for two years, before moving to UCLan 
in Preston um, in 2017 to take over the sport business management degree, which is where I am now. So you've uh, you've not been up to much then. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you've done a lot of work with your sport for development too. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, having studied and worked in the British university system since 1999, that has meant 20 summers. And one of the reasons I don't support Johnson's plan for a two-year degree, aside from staff research, is the experiences, the opportunities students have to invest time applying and reflecting on what they've learned in between years of study. And during those periods, personally, I got involved in what we might now call sport for development. I was volunteering on a female empowerment project in India in 2003 when an impromptu kick around with some kids in a Mumbai slum evolved into a nightly coaching session with what became literally hundreds of kids. And the director of the NGO who was visiting saw one of these sessions and on that basis asked me to lead a coach education programme in their new offices in Uganda, Zimbabwe and Mozambique the following summer. And from that I started working for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, You might know the shoebox campaign that distributes aid and presents to kids around Christmas. Well, me mate Dave Cook started that and ran football projects connected to that. So I worked with Dave and various other people with child soldiers in Liberia at the end of the war, with prisoners in Ukraine, uh, refugee camps in Azerbaijan with HIV AIDS education in Honduras, post-war Bosnia, post-terrorism in Russia. And, I mean, these were difficult environments to work in, but I learned a lot through them and the people I worked with and for. And on the back of one really transformational conversation, I learned some Spanish, did a TEFL course and worked in an orphanage in Venezuela for the summer where I probably spent more time coaching futsal than teaching English. So all that speaks to the snowball effect of experiences. If you pursue opportunities, if you demonstrate capacity and willingness and courage to go where they take you and build networks, I then went on to the Football for Peace project in Israel with the University of Brighton under John Sugden uh, from 2006 and later set up and ran my own university programmes in India and Malawi. So around 30 projects in six continents, planning, managing programmes, undertaking analysis, writing reports for NGOs and also conducting academic research. So I collected ethnographic data and interviewed hundreds of people and shot footage and photos everywhere and I did my sport management master's thesis on sport for peace in Africa and the Middle East and published my second book from that and also began to publish research papers on projects in countries like Azerbaijan and Thailand as well as maintaining and producing some journalistic output so two very different forms of writing and communicating which have often overlapped centering on sport for development. You've also made uh, quite a lot of films on various themes, some of them I've been lucky enough to watch, um, especially the one this summer, but I won't give too much away about that. Um, can you tell us a bit about those as well? Yeah, I mean, not everyone is, is a fan of, of those films and, and generally of the involvement of that form of media in education, but I think the academic writing process, it, I think can, it can be really rewarding and valuable and enjoyable, but it can also be frustrating. The process, the, the time frames. 
I mean, by the time something's in print, it can be out of date already. And the accessibility to the real world, the impact, to reference ref terminology, providing work in a format that extends beyond academic and university audiences. And I think working journalistically and the relative immediacy that allows, not to mention the creative processes, the editorial freedoms that can be associated with media-related work, I was reluctant as I pursued an academic career to merely swap journalism for scholarship and I've always had an interest and pursued involvement in both. And the film I shot at the Champions League final in Kiev last year, which I don't think is the one you're referring to, but I mean that one for instance in Kiev, that had over... I did watch that. You did watch that as well. well. I mean that one had over 50,000 views in a month. But I mean that kind of broader journey started... At a, at a previous European Cup final and the documentary I made on Istanbul in 2005 and, and looking back on that film it's pretty obvious I was never media trained but you know I've learned through the process on the job I do have a brother-in-law who was a BBC producer for 15 years and now runs his own TV production company so I have learned from people and, and projects but fundamentally I'm self-taught but that film Istanbul, I mean, that did quite well commercially, I mean, back in the, the days of DVD sales. And that, that helped support various films and some really diverse projects. I made documentaries on refugee camps in Palestine and street art in Chile, on the far right in Bulgaria, football and favela life in Brazil, uh, conflict and rivalry in Bosnia, sport politics in Georgia, football mega events in Gabon, sport for development in Malawi and India and various commissions for tourist boards. So total views across various platforms, it's it's over a quarter of a million. I mean, how many downloads or citations does even the most powerful piece of academic research get? I mean, I, look, I'm not trying to go to war with my own industry or, or vocation. I'm simply saying that in isolation, it can seem a little limited, a bit restrictive. So I try and produce and publish output to reach wider audiences in addition to the more formalised and readily accepted formats we're used to in academia, reflected and driven by the ref. But I think there's a growing appetite for that. I mean, the football collective is evidence of that. And, you know, in broader terms, the conversation websites, I mean, that has really developed. And what's that strapline? Academic rigour, journalistic flair. But I think I think that's just the beginning. There's huge scope for, for growth in that area involving... Various forms of media, including, but certainly not limited to film. I'm a big fan of the films. I hope they keep going and I hope they keep uh, making such a big impact as well on other people like myself. Um, so the final question I've got is, um, you've been involved in some research lately. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? And then what do you see the, uh, the future of football research being? Well, the three overarching themes of my research is sport for developments, sports mega events and football fandom and crowd management. And in the case of sport for developments, and this might seem like a, a tangential example, but if you look at religious missionaries, they've often historically been entirely connected to work overseas, sometimes overlooking the needs of people closer to home. And likewise, I think a lot of sport for development work has been undertaken by practitioners, and I definitely include myself in this critique who are based in the Global North, operating and directed efforts in context of the Global South. And to a degree that's understandable, especially when you consider the often polarised political and social and 
economic realities. But I do think that this focus has perhaps been disproportionate in some cases and that more work can be done by universities and academics and students and connected groups and institutions more locally. So working in local communities in familiar territories, sharing ideas, applying and tweaking models and processes that have worked elsewhere, empowering disadvantaged groups, supporting those giving their time and energy and resources to helping others, using the power of sport to bring people together, to develop capacity, to focus on commonalities and to monitor and evaluate that provision in order to to shape what comes next. I mean, we've got really well-established groups doing some important work in the UK and in Australia and the US, but I think much of that has been isolated. It's not always operated effectively or, or networked efficiently, but I think if you look at some of the work that scholars have been engaged in and practitioners with, with refugees, for instance, with fans supporting food banks, with um, anti-racism projects, working with ageing populations, discriminated or marginalised groups, I see there being huge scope to involve university students in, but not limited to those countries, using their respective sports to have genuine cultural value locally to help develop people and communities. And then in terms of sports events, I think research may follow some of the current trajectories around legacies and sustainability, soft power, public diplomacy, nation branding. But I think there's also huge scope for work in emerging contexts, perhaps alternative sporting events such as the, the non-FIFA football competitions run by CONIFA, the Confederation of Independent Football Associations. They have annual events that are growing in status and complexity. And I've just written a chapter and paper about those in the last month. Women's football is and will be a huge growth area, not just connected to events, but in developments and performance, professionalisation, equality, player support agents, and media, uh, journalistic analysis, commercial and, and organisational involvement, all connected to, to both the men's, but particularly the women's game, as well as at youth levels. And if you look at the work by people like Stacey Pope and Alex Colvin, for instance, who I see as being some of the leaders in that field, I think there's growth, a potential for growth there. Major markets as well, such as the US and China and Australia, I think there will be opportunities for research and applied work there. And then finally, fandom. I think there's generally a consensus that, that football fan cultures have not lacked academic scrutiny. But these cultures, they're not static, they're fluid and, and subject to change. And they're also hugely significant culturally. So I wouldn't discount examinations of supporters over the next decade but I think the focus of this work does need freshening and reimagining maybe perhaps look at social movements and activisms that some supporters are engaging look at fan unions uh, how clubs are connecting with supporters how players are taking on different roles in their community uh, the community work and through their own foundations uh, the role and use of new media, transnational collaborations, governments, reforms and policing and crowd management, safe standing and other initiatives that matter to significant portions of populations. So I think there'll always be scope for football research because it's such a global game and if academics are strategic and responsible and collaborative about what they investigate, 
how they conduct research, who they meet and network with in doing so, we can take the scholarship of football forward. Really enjoyed that, Joe. Uh, thank you very much for your time. It's been great having you on. No problem, Josh. Thanks very much.